Go Late Selects, brought to you by Sky. Watch new, exclusive, and unmissable content only on Sky. Hey, though. Yo, what's your favorite accent? If a woman was to walk up to you in a bar, what voice <laughs> would you hope would come out of her mouth? What accent would you hope would you think, oh, morning, Vicar? Again, if that was my response to a beautiful woman walking up to me in the bar, <laughs> I'd be questioning my choices in women. <laughs> Morning, Victor. <laughs> Let's do it! Welcome to Go Loud Selects, a Go Loud original, Go Loud production, and it is brought to you uh, by the people of Sky. Can I ask you, uh, well, I'm not going to, can I, I'm going to ask you a question. How well, um, how well do you take a compliment, Simon? Do you take a compliment? Uh, I know, I'm not really, uh, no, I don't like taking compliments. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what to do well, with them. Well, I don't care. Well, do with this uh, what you will. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed and was immensely proud to watch you my my good friend starring opposite one of the uh one of the towers of the acting world stanley tucci and not only holding your own but sparring and dancing <laughs> pirouetting around together in a wonderful scene in that bbc drama inside mad which i watched with our mutual friend laura woods last week and yeah. the two of us were beaming with pride and also uh. Very, just very impressed by it all. Um, what an incredible scene. It's I remember you telling thing, me, yeah. like, when you filmed that, which was over a year ago, if not longer, yeah, that it, like, to, yeah. it was a chunky scene and there was long dialogue and all this kind of stuff. Bloody hell, I didn't realise it was that <laughs> big a scene. Yeah, and it took, wow. the bones, it took the bones of two days to shoot. Like, you think, you, th- you wonder That's where... what I wanted to know. How long does... So watch it. It's about, like, five, six minutes of television. It's about... And it takes yeah, two days. It was about 12 pages. So the, the rule of thumb is normally just under a minute a page. But, of course, it depends on what you do in the edit. But this was very much mm. just straightforward. Three people sitting at a table talking. So there was no big, you know... Uh, staged pieces. There were no ins and outs. It was just three people talking, and um, and it just goes to show you, like when people often say, "Jesus, why did that show cost X, Y, and Z amount of money?" You know, when people talk about the new House of Dragon and the, and the Lord of the Rings show cost a sixteen million an episode, you can see where it goes. You know, because these things are machines. These productions are just machines. The amount of manpower that it takes to get a show like that going and like bear in mind like that scene was set in a in a prison in um, the southern states of america but it was shot on a soundstage in london so i wanted to know was it deep were you in arizona in the no. sweaty desert east no okay no i was in farnsborough airport in london <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay i actually don't want to know don't ruin it don't but ruin it's amazing it. because were you, were you really sweating or did they put that on you are you um, like a sweat no, they didn't. They didn't do a sweat makeup so on him. Up in, a, in, a, in a lovely suit, in and you're you're in more ways than one. You're physically sweating, but mentally, your character sweating yeah. as well with his he's story. He's a guy who's dealing with the with the issues, let's say, and he's clearly got Ooh. a past too. He's a for anyone who hasn't seen him, I played an American, American senator who visits Stanley Tucci's character, who's in prison uh, for murder, and I'm advised to go and meet him because he is, he's somewhat of a supposed. Uh, not not a savant, but he's he's able to maybe Game solve problems. Yeah, solve problems mm. knowing how he knows the system, etc. So I go to him with this particular problem. But no, they didn't use like sometimes they would use a sweat makeup on that. No, but it was genuinely baked in there and we were two days in that room. Now it's like a room, it was a big set. But um it was it was uh, it was fairly uh, in fairly intense but also very calm. Great director on it, Stephen Moffat, of course, Rose and then Tucci. And the brilliant, brilliant uh, Atkins Esmond, who plays the other prisoner, who's who's fantastic in the series. And, he's uh, very funny. His character. He's very, very good, isn't he? And a gentleman yeah. too. Um, right. So that funny. all helps when you're in that intense enough environment, yeah. which is three of you and a, and a heavy yeah. dialogue. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It helps when you when you get on with people, you know. So yeah, it was it was really interesting, and it was great to. Uh, to work with him because as you say like he's he's like for our generation he's one of the one of the finest actors working you know he's constantly yeah. doing high quality good stuff he makes a lot of interesting choices he's made some classics over the years and he just comes across as the nicest man on the planet he's 
oozing with charisma uh, charm he's nothing about it is false he's very polite to everybody um and he was just gorgeous and actually you mentioned at the top that you know that you were watching me dance and I did actually write him a letter on the typewriter you bought me might I add. oh back to the typewriters yeah I, love it. I, I did a, when I came home recurring theme on this podcast yeah <laughs> I did when I came home uh, write him a little letter just to say you know uh, it was great to get the chance to dance with you you know and then hopefully we could do it again and I sent him that letter uh, on that typewriter but uh, yeah no it was great it's one of those moments where you go yep tick great done that like when nice. are you going to get the chance to do that but yeah it's got Mixed reviews. The show. It's um. It's a weird show. Um, the English kind of storyline is getting a bit hammered, but the American stuff with Tucci seems to be going down very well. But uh, and I, mm. I saw there was two articles. Then the next day came out. Um, about trying to solve the riddle of this two hundred and fifty five fifty three dollars and fifty five cents, and why Tucci's character clicked when it wouldn't take my case, because I still don't fucking know what it meant. I still don't. Know Do you not? Not of not that a was the, oh by the way guys here's the here's and what yeah. this the meaning of this is and will be a, a plot reveal and in maybe episode I'm just four. a gobshite I didn't get it but <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll I'll actually text you the link to the website which explains it in full apparently well, it's something to do with the cost of therapy and you know because he says he's clearly guilty of rape and at least one of those women you're thinking well how did he get that yeah. just from that figure but anyway that's that's the crack yeah it's a great show great show. Congratulations, man. Very proud of you. God bless and it's you. just, you know, to be one day, uh, you know, discussing on breakfast television what direction people stir their cups of teas to the next thing, uh, dancing with Stanley Tucci in an acting sense. It's, uh, and it's pretty impressive. And that's the variety of life, eh? Don't you never know from one <laughs> day to the next what you're going to be doing and all, anyways. Indeed. Right. Here's our first recommendation. Well, it, this would be our second, in fact, because if oh. you've not seen Inside Man, find yeah. a way to watch it Get on. on BBC. You talk about mixed reviews. Yeah. Our recommendation from Sky this week has a lot of people watching and a lot of people uh, talking. And I've watched it too. And it's it's divided a lot of opinion. And there's been very mixed reviews of This England, which uh, is currently on Sky TV, on Sky Atlantic, and can be seen on Now. Right. And it centers around former UK Prime Minister Boris, Boris Johnson in all his wretched... Uh, ways uh, yes and yeah buffoonery and aloofness but you know downright inability to uh fucking tie his own shoelaces at points in life uh it centers on or focuses on the early stages of the pandemic and how he dealt with or didn't deal with the uh the coronavirus yeah. pandemic why haven't we met the target don't blame me doc okay okay calm down boys i think you need to see this what the hell is going on we look like a bunch of amateurs i don't have dom's bright ideas you have to rein him in they're moving the pm to intensive care this blessed plot this earth this realm this england Uh, can I ask you a question, Aido? Because I haven't seen it, but yeah, yeah and I, but I have read a couple of reviews, right? And as someone who has seen it, I'm going to throw this at you. One of the reviews, I think it was, uh, I think it was one of the English papers. Anyway, just asked the question: Was it too early to make that? Because given the way these things take so much time to make, they must have been shooting that while he was still in power. Mm. Like it was, yes, I mean, he's know, only gone out of the job. Yeah. Well, I think it was April or May he resigned, but he actually didn't leave yeah. until a month ago. So yes, no doubt they would. And there's there's many things uh, to be critical of this uh, and yeah. a lot of the things I would agree with. There's lots of things to enjoy in it as well. One of the things just on that in terms of if it's too soon or not, it does deal with the early parts of the pandemic. It doesn't deal with all the later stuff and all the, the scandals about the fucking parties and breaking the rules and all that stuff. Um. What I did find watching it, uh, I had this strange detachment from the pandemic. Um, there was almost times where I was like, "Is this like? Did that happen? Is this real?" Wow. Even though it's so so recent, it still feels like yeah, yeah. an alternative universe. It's which is bizarre. Maybe that's maybe I'll, not everyone would feel that way watching mm. it. Um, another thing I will say before we even just talk about the various actors and, and whether it's good or not, there is a tremendous amount, and this is actually one of the positives of it, There's a trem but it's also equally a, a challenging aspect to it. There's a tremendous amount of focus on the everyday uh, doctors and nurses uh, and indeed people who got sick from COVID and people in care homes. And it serves as a very timely re uh, reminder because 
look, we for, life moves on and we forget these things very easily and we do take yeah. things and people for granted. It reminds you just how utterly incredible yeah. and selfless um, healthcare workers are in, I, in, in all facets of, of, of that job. The doctors, the nurses, the porters, the volunteers in care homes. And I'll be honest with you, there's so many scenes in it that I found really... I'm loath to use the word triggering because it's used about too many other things that uh, would annoy you. It, yeah. But I found it, it there's dis- very distressing scenes of people. Yeah, I did read that. I was going to ask about that. They said it's, it's hard to watch revived. at points, though. Yeah, people put on ventilators, mm. people passing away. There's huge, huge emotion in it. And that's juxtaposed then with the, the shit show that is Downing Street and, uh, yeah. you know, the, the dithering while Rome burnt. And then yeah. the, you know, the, the scandal of them not you know, being so late going into lockdown, not having enough PPE and then um, sourcing well, contracts the right? through I mean, their I'm, mates and Dominic Cummings fucking off <clears> and breaking yeah. all the, the lockdown the rules. Because but sure, we did that here ourselves. Our politicians did that as well. That's um, what I'm going to say to you is and I'm in no way oh. defending Johnson because I think he's an utter buffoon as were the majority of his cabinet who happened to be steering his country through the greatest pandemic in, in the history of the planet. Um. But that whole thing of them, they hadn't got a clue what they were doing. I think every government was like that, wasn't it? Because they didn't know what the fuck this thing was. Mm. Yeah, but, but like... I know some countries dealt with it better. They were on top of the PPE thing and, you know, they were on top of the the, the vaccinations, rollouts and all that. Like Ireland did pretty well in terms of the vaccination. Maybe not so good with the PPE right at the start. I mean, I remember actually standing in my back garden and waving as that plane went over to fucking China. Do you remember to get the PPE? It was like a fucking national yeah. holiday. But, I mean, in terms, of the, in terms of Boris and his gang, though, <laughs> they did make horses horse of it. Like, it's not even funny. Yeah, and this show is a drama and it comes up, you know, as a lot of these shows do. This is a work of fiction, but based yeah. on real life events. So there is yeah. artistic license in it, but I think there is unavoidable facts in it whereby they were being given the science by all their leading scientists and they were told Italy is the model. Italy is what's coming down the tracks. Yeah. And they, they dithered and they, they held off because the economy was more important to the thoughts of shutting down business. You the know, economy there is was more a, important to the Tories? Surely not. Yes. Yes, yeah. Well, look, <laughs> what a week to be talking about the Tory party in yeah. any regard with the way they're behaving at the moment. Who knew they could even be worse than Boris Johnson's government? Um, so, they, like, and there's a fact that comes out several times and is um, uh, repeated throughout the show um, that if they had locked down two weeks earlier, how many lives wouldn't have been lost? And it's a fucking, um, it's a shocking figure. Staggering um, figure. So, like, by the end of watching the six episodes, I was quite depressed by the whole thing I must admit and in that regard maybe it is all a bit too soon and a bit too raw but I thought it's it was um, when it focused on the the human beings not not those blue blooded Tories when the actual everyday people um, that was very powerful that was very impactful to see the inner workings of Downing Street I I love politics and political TV shows that is all interesting and the fucking the the spin and the PR and and just you know the the machinations of of, of government that is interesting. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh in the lead role as Boris Johnson is is quite something. Yeah. Initially, you'll be uh, it, it's hard to get your head around the the prosthetics to make him look like Boris Johnson. Yeah. That takes a bit of getting used to. It, but the voice, the mannerisms, the the fucking Churchillian uh, impressions, the quoting all you know latin he- uh, heroes and nero and caesar and this and there's a lot of these moments where boris just finds himself looking out uh into the distance not doing any work uh and just like quoting some bullshit from aristotle um yeah who and then, of course, was deal- a good player back in his day but was never as good as people made him out to be but um <laughs> but that is one common theme one common thread that's run through all of the reviews that i've read is that Branagh is outstanding as, as boris he really is. And like he's he's unrecognizable, you know, yeah. in every sense. Physically, he looks smaller than Kenneth Branagh does. And obviously he's much larger playing yeah. Boris Johnson. But yeah, but the mannerisms and the, the, the voice, the way he does it. There's some other the really good... Say, do anyone stand out for yeah, you? Really good turn. So it focuses a fair bit on Boris's personal life, his relationship with his yeah. now wife, Harry Simmons. She's played by Ophelia Lovey Bond. Oh, really? A lovely band. Oh, she's terrific. Bands. I'm yeah. going to make a you guess and say she's not from a housing estate in Wigan. <laughs> <laughs> Just a stab in the dark now. 
I might be a safe enough bet. Oh, lovey oh, bond is that? Lovey bond. And is she good? Well, she's terrific in it, and it just brings another dimension to it. And you know, humanizes him in some way yeah. um, because she's pregnant throughout pretty much most of it, and so he's about to become a dad. And then of course, he gets a, COVID. How's that dealt with? That's dealt with um, at length in it, wow. and he's hospitalized. And but then uh, I won't give too much away. But he starts having all these uh, kind of fever dreams. And they kind of overplay that a bit too much because it also deals with his um, his relationship with all these other grown-up children he's had with several different women throughout his life and how kind of fractured those relationships are. And there's scenes of him, you know, phoning them on birthdays and Christmas and they never pick up. So he's kind of portrayed as quite a, a lonely person uh, as well as a deeply flawed and uh, incapable uh, person at his, at, at his job. So... I did see one review and I, I, you know, actually didn't read too much into the reviews um, because I just wanted to uh, make my own judgment on it. Some people felt it was kind of a sympathetic portrayal of him. I'm not so sure it could be given the cold, hard facts of what happened during COVID. So basically, like, as a piece of television, as as a limited drama series, do you recommend it to our good listeners? I do, with with a large... um, Red flashing warning. And I mean this genuinely for anyone who works in the health in uh, service, yeah, who's a doctor yeah. or a nurse or anyone who lost anyone during COVID, you might find this a bit, uh, a bit too soon. Yeah. A bit too soon. And, and it would make you angry. Yeah. Imagine if you lived in the UK and you worked in the NHS and you watched it. You'd be, you'd be livid. Mm. But but again, you go well. It's no surprise. This this is only a, the the dramatic version of it. Wait until you like the real version I of know, it was actually yeah. fucking hard. Um, but, but the I reality it, is that it's it's, it's a very well made show and it's very well performed. It's well put together. It's worth watching. Uh, I I believe so. Yeah, I I would recommend it. Um, and it, like I said, for some people, it might be a bit too soon. I do want to mention mm. just quickly one or two of the other actors in it yeah. who are. Um, brilliant Um, and I guess sometimes it's a measure of an actor if you're like screaming at the screen going you're a fucker like the guy who plays Dominic Cummings so well as in so badly because Dominic Cummings is is just not human Uh, is a guy called Simon Paisley Day he gives a star turn as as the villain of the piece if Boris is not the villain and then the guy who plays Matt Hancock who actually comes across as the best of a really bad bunch he was their secretary for health at the time and he actually is portrayed as someone who was like lads what the fuck are we doing we're not on trying to do his best we're not doing enough testing we're not doing tracing there's a lot of flaws in our system he's played by Andrew is it Buchan or Buchan B-U-C-H-A-N I knew his face straight away because he was uh, he had a prominent role in Broadchurch is there Uh, there a H in his Buchan yeah Buchan yeah because remember Martin Buchan used to captain United Okay, that's how you say it. Yeah, Yeah, he's terrific in it as well. And there's a big ensemble cast because you've various different people playing uh, uh, Dominic Rabb and um, Savvy Javid and Rishi Sunak and all the other, uh, uh, what would you call them? Pieces in the chess game. That's the play way. That's the politest way of putting it. (laughs) And of course, um, you know, it's made by uh, and directed and written by Michael Winterbottom, Mm -hmm. who did 24-hour party people, um, also did The Claim and Welcome to Sarajevo. So, um, yeah, he knows. And of course, Kenneth Kenneth Branagh, you know, there's, uh, yeah, there's heavyweights involved. Um, So there's probably, he's probably going to, he's probably looking at a a BAFTA now, does he? I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. It's, it's a, it's a standout role in his career. And I know he's, he's had many, but this is a, a really defining one, I would Excellent. Well, where can our good listeners this watch that? England. This England. Not this is England, just <clears throat> this England. And you'll find it on Sky Atlantic and you can see all six episodes on Now TV. Fantastic. I shall give you a recommendation, uh, young Aidan, and dear listeners, and I'm going to take you from this England <clears throat> to their Canada. Uh, this is a great series that I, I came across a couple of weeks ago on Channel 4. Uh, I don't know whether you're a Griff Reese Jones fan, are you? Griff Reese Jones of as in Smith and Jones. What I was just trying to think of. Yeah, uh, yeah I've not. I've, I couldn't tell you anything he's done since. Okay, well, he's basically uh, so Griff Reese Jones was well, he is a British comedian, but he's a travel enthusiast, and he he had back in the day he was huge. He was a double act with Mel Smith, the late Mel Smith, late great talented Mel Smith, and they had their own uh, comedy series on the BBC, which was he started off with Not on Nine O'clock News, and they met there and they worked together. They went on to do their own series, but they formed. It's an incredible story, these two, right? But Griff Reese Jones and Mel Smith they formed. 
formed a talkback production company, um, which went on to produce the likes of Smack the Pony, The Ali G Show, I'm Alan Parker, which they think it's all over, QI and Big Train, huge. They set that company up themselves and they sold it 15, 16 years ago for just over 60 million. Jesus. So, yeah, they made their money. Um, Mel Smith went on to do a few bits and pieces of movies as did Chris Jones but or Chris Jones Griff Reese Jones and he kind of but he kind of disappeared and he's he's as you would do when you made that kind of money he thought I'm going to do things I like to do so he finds himself as a, he's a travel enthusiast he loves adventures etc so he had a, he has a, a series on uh, Channel Four called Griff's Canadian Adventure. It's six episodes, six one hours, <clears throat> and the reason I I jumped into this, I like this, I like this kind of television. I like him, and I don't think anybody's done it as good as Palin, Michael Palin, since back in the day when he did all of those series, of all of which I've watched numerous times and have the books, etc. Yeah, um, it seems to be a, a career uh, trajectory for uh, yeah. comedians who are now move, moving on in age. Absolutely. Like, I'll do, a travel, I'll do a travel show. Or former politicians like uh, Michael Portillo does exactly, a wonderful exactly. one. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I did yeah, was... he did one on trains in Ireland, didn't he? That's right, that's right. It took him two Parker. hours. Yeah. Um, one of the main reasons I jumped onto it was because it was Canada and I don't know enough about Canada and it's one of those places on my list of places that I'd love to go I've got friends who live there I have uh, relations over there I've friends who've holidayed there and I've only ever heard good reports about it but this series he basically starts on the east coast in Newfoundland and he travels right the way across the country across what's called the 49th parallel which is the border between the US and Canada and he ends up in British Columbia. So he starts off in Newfoundland, then he goes to Quebec, then he goes over through Ontario, over to Manitoba, into Saskatchewan, Alberta, and ends up in British Columbia. And it's it's just incredible to watch. I mean, it's such an amazing country. Like episode one is called Bigness, <laughs> like the bigness of Canada. <laughs> it's like it's such a vast, vast uh, country. Bienvenue. Aujourd'hui, je suis sur un bateau, sur le fleuve Saint-Laurent. Et je parle le très mal français. Je vais au la ville de Québec. And basically he goes through region to region and he he, his mission is really to obviously discover about Canada, but more particularly to discover about each of the regions and why they're so different and what makes them so different. So when he goes to Newfoundland, he's he, he's at, he meets with a local at the start and they will give him a challenge. You know, So in order to become more Newfoundlandian, you have to, they say, be great in the kitchen. And he's gone. What the fuck does that mean? So basically, we discover that when he's traveling around Newfoundland, that there's a big tradition of kitchen parties in Newfoundland. And the key to become a real Newfoundland is be great in the kitchen. So have a party piece, you know, because you will be invited to a party in the kitchen. You know, they'll cook local dishes, but, you know, have a song or a poem or something. So he does that. And then when he goes to Quebec, um, he's asked to become more of, uh, I'll forgive my French accent, but an habitant. So the habitant are people who are from Quebec, but they, they are the most Quebec of Quebec people. So he thinks, how the hell do I become a habitant? Then he moves through Ontario, Manitoba. And like most good uh, travel shows like this, I mean, the cinematography is staggering. I mean, he goes from the Rockies into the, mm. into the, into the prairies in the middle of the country. He's seeing polar bears. He's out. Uh, he's hunting animals, he's fishing, he's he's abseiling, he's rock climbing, he throws himself into everything. And, you know, you're you're discovering things, which is what great television should do. It should educate us as we're watching it, as well as entertaining us. You know, there are large pockets of, say, uh, I think it was in uh, Toronto, or I think, I could be wrong, could be Vancouver, but a large Ukrainian community and... He immersed himself with the Ukrainian community for a couple of days and he was learning their traditional dances and all that. It's just one of those series that has, you know, you hear that expression, Aiden, and we, we know it in our business, that you're always looking for colour in a show. Yes. You know, you look, you're looking for a bit of colour. You you it's not just me standing in front of a camera going, that's a big bridge in Quebec, so it is. It's colour. It's got to be 
the people, it's got to be the landscape, it's got to be the history, it's the food, it's the music, it's it's incredible. And he does that in each of these episodes and they're one hour long each. So there's a whole uh, raft of viewing there for you. It's on Channel 4, Griff's Canadian Adventure. And I would venture to say that it's the closest thing to Michael Palin that I've seen since Michael Palin. Now, I do love... Uh, Simon, what's his name, does the BBC stuff? Simon Reeve, is it? He does all the kind of South American adventures and that. I love that kind of television. But he, mm. Griff Reese jones is clearly, he's very, very watchable. He's very likable. He's a funny man. He's 68, you know what I mean? He's throwing, but he's throwing himself into this. He's he, he drives trains in this series. He drives these humongous snow plows. He's driving combine harvesters. And he, he, you basically, you, you, you live this adventure through him. And it just, it educated me about Canada. And it's actually made me want to go even more than I did before. Um, and even in Toronto, which is now huge in terms of the film industry, Toronto's huge up there. Like a lot of, they, they, again, they brought in a tax break. And they film a lot of the big American TV shows are, are shot up there. And one of the other big, big things, I'll stop talking and breathe in a minute. One of the other big <laughs> things with the show is, <laughs> is that he talks about the difference between being American and Canadian. So, because there's this, obviously, this, uh, I think rivalry is the polite way of putting it. Uh, and at one point he says, he's halfway through the adventure and he's, he's buying himself some gear to go up a mountain, some climbing gear. And he buys himself a little haversack and he buys a Canadian flag that he sticks on his bag. And he said, because if I put this sticker on my bag, wherever I go in the world, the flag won't annoy people. <laughs> That's so true. As opposed yeah. to an American flag, and and he talks about these whole these myths as well about the Canadian people. You know, all you ever hear about Canadians is they're so nice. Yes, and he just says it just, it's just they're, fucking they're true. Boring. It's just fucking yeah. true. But they are the most welcoming, nice people. Um, and and he talks about he goes to Niagara Falls, which is basically now a theme park. You know, and a lot yeah. of Americans come over to like just across the border because it's literally splits the border. And he said, and he's standing looking at America across the bridge and he's going, how can it be so different? And it's so close. You know what I mean? It's so close. And yet this country, this continent of North America, this this area, and he talks about how it was taken over by the, taken from the First Nations people. He discovers that right across the country. And it's just a fascinating watch, a beautiful watch. It's very funny, mm. very entertaining. And as I say, there's six episodes there, so you can get them all on Channel 4. Very good, yes. And it is the second largest country in the world, I think. So yeah, there's, yeah. there's plenty of it to be discovered. And like, yeah, stunning landscapes and beautiful rivers and plenty of animals that would kill you. But the locals wouldn't because they're, uh, they're nice. I do like that thing about putting the Canada flag on. Could you argue or could, could you draw a parallel that it's the same with maybe having the Irish flag and not a Union Jack this perhaps? Is, you know? This is it. You never know. But it does you make know? you think about things like that, you know. While we were talking there, you know, we do we do like a, a funny place name, whether it be in America or Canada yeah. or indeed uh, Ireland. So would you like yeah. some uh, funny place names in Canada that, that maybe uh, if Griff Reese jones didn't visit them, maybe you could on your trip, Simon? Did we discuss these on a podcast before? Well, we did about certain places in America. Oh, but, right. Uh, Canadian so funny, funny places, right. Do so it. many fun places in Canada. I think <clears> you <throat> should go to Newfoundland, in particular to the town of Come By Chance, Oh, right, yeah. It's not the kind of place you ever plan to go to, but you just end up there. And maybe you could follow on, come by chance, by going to Climax, which is in Saskatch- Saskatchewan. I can't say Saskatchewan, that. Saskatchewan, yeah, Climax, Saskatchewan, yeah. yeah. Uh, or if you're more into it, you could go to Stoner in British Columbia. No, carry on. Next. No. Okay, uh, maybe you need to uh, alight on Blow Me Down or Spread Eagle, two other tents. Oh, I've got it, I've got it, okay. When you're tired and you need to rest your weary bones, Simon, you just arrive into the town of Haversack. Dildo. Dildo? Okay. <laughs> okay. You could Welcome go to, to Dildo. Wow, you could go to Dildo via come too soon and then arrive in climax <laughs> <laughs> and oh, that's quite a trip wow 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 you'll be ex you'll be exhausted after that and another um pointless fact i have for you when you mentioned New newfoundland i always draw parallels between um uh, irish history and newfoundland because yeah. uh, there's a huge connection there 53 percent of people from newfoundland have irish heritage 53 <clears> percent <throat> wow is there it's one of the largest um, populations of irish people abroad Newfoundland, and that's why a lot of them have Irish accents. There you are now. 
There you are. Thank you very much for uh, tying up that uh, segment for us. That was gorgeous. Thank you. See you in class. That's all I. That's all I know about Canada. <laughs> oh dear, dear. Shall we? Shall we bring in somebody who knows what they're talking about? Time to turn this uh, party into a, a crowd. Let's go from two to three. That's what I'm trying to say. What's that? What's that saying? Two's company, three's a crowd. Yes, and oh. our company. Let's let's make it into a crowd. There's Here he is at the door. Some introduction befitting of of a superstar, uh, a, a diva, a shining. <laughs> Just dear, stop, dear. man! That's right, dear. Oh, dear! Is that how the fuck? How the fuck would you introduce introduce uh, a Barbara Streisand uh, wannabe on the show? Whatever way she tells you to. In fairness, yeah. I actually remember I was a mate of mine was actually at that uh, gig in Castletown in Selbridge near where I'm from and apparently it was a complete a complete shit show from start to finish. He says the one image that sticks out in his mind was he saw this woman, about a 50-year-old Dolly Bird with a floor-length fur coat caked in mud. Absolutely, like it was, you know, the final day of Electric Picnic, caked in mud. Yeah, so... When I think of Barbara Streisand, I think of that. Wow! Oh, that's what I thought. That what I thought that was like. Hello, Dolly. This it was Barbara Streisand. Was that the one that was rained off and it was a yes. mess and everyone had to leave? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's exactly. Did you know that our mutual friend Patrick Wilson recorded an album with her, Brian? I did know that. He did a great song from the Sondheim musical Passion, and yes, it was a great song. And uh, and he says it's one of the highlights of his career to date. Performing, yeah. I would say that because like, I mean, he's like, he is, he's like one of these ridiculous, like triple threats. Like he's able to sing, dance and act. Yeah. And, uh, proper yeah. Broadway baby. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, enough about Miss Streisand. Have you been to the cinema this week? I have, sir. And what play tale did you feast on? I went to see Amsterdam. Where is my eye, Harold? Right here. Yes. I never expected two decorated soldiers to get knocked out of my own home. No, just one, sir. Oh, that's right, Mr. Woodman. You were too fast for Carlton. I was. They started talking to Valerie, and she's not well, and please, darling girl, stop crying. It's only natural for her to cry. Maybe she just found out her friend is dead. Um, okay, oh, yeah. so... Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, you see. mentioned this last week. Yeah, yes, I said yes. that other like reviews a, were yeah. mm, mm, mm. truckload mm. of famous people. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> that's as, I think as far as we got. I'm garnering from the tone of your voice, you were piss anointed. Yes, mm, yes, mm, yes, mm, yes. Mm. No. So, okay. So the cast, if you don't know, is Christian Bale, John yeah. David Washington, Margot Robbie, Michael Shannon, um, Mike Myers. You have uh, Timothy Olyphant. Yeah, Rami Malek is in there. Timothy Oliphant is in there. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy is in there. Good old Mr. Bob De Niro himself is in there as well. Jesus, that um, cost a new quid, didn't it? I like the way he's like 10th on the list of stars. He only comes into it in the last like 15 minutes of it, if you know that sort of way. But they talk yeah. about his character a lot the whole way through it. Um, okay, Did this you mention was... Chris Rock? Oh yeah, Chris Rock as well. But again, he only has one scene in it and Taylor Swift again only has one scene in it as well. So it's really one of those kind of, it's almost kind of like a Robert, and this is going to sound so wanky, but it's almost kind of a Robert Altman kind of thing where like people like come in and out of the film and like it's just like they wave at the camera and then they're gone. Like, um, This is a bit of a mess of a film. Um, no. Yeah. It's based on a true story. There was this thing in the 1930s in America called the business plot. And essentially what happened was uh, this group of five businessmen um, had had basically plotted to overthrow FDR and install this Marine general, this real-life Marine general, uh, to take over as a sort of interim, interim government, basically like trying to bring fascism into America. And the whole thing was stopped by a group of World War One veterans and uh, this Marine general who, you know, 
went to Congress and basically, you know, gave a full deposition on it or whatever. And at the time, it was kind of dismissed as, oh, that's just complete, you know, codology. It, it's not, it's not true at all. But then they actually did, and the Congress did an investigation into it, and it turned out that it was actually real. That there really was a conservative plot to try bring in a fascist government in America in the thirties. Um, so. What's going on in this specifically is is uh, Christian Bale and John David Washington are two World War One veterans. Um, Christian Bale's character is a doctor. John David Washington's character is an attorney. They're hired by Taylor Swift's character to investigate the death of her father, who was a general who used to command both of them. And it turns out that he was actually, he, they think that he was murdered and it turns out that he was murdered and it's all this very laborious conspiratorial plot. Taylor Swift is in there. She plays uh, the general's daughter. Margot Robbie is this friend of theirs where they all met after the war was in Amsterdam and they have this very sort of bohemian lifestyle where they're, you know, they're doing art and drama and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> It's drugs. really and drugs, yeah, lots. Of, oh, yeah, lots of drugs, lots of drugs, lots of heroin, and you know, like when you would think, would okay, so I can understand why everyone signed up to do this because it's exactly the kind of film that they don't get to do anymore, which is a big, huge star vehicle, loads of talent involved in it. You have David O. Russell writing and directing it. But when it actually comes together, it's a complete mess. And it's everyone kind of fighting for screen time. And it's everyone trying to kind of get their plot strand in. And then ultimately as well, the editing of it is so chaotic because you have this just complete wealth of talent on screen and you don't know where to look. Can I ask you a question, Brian? It's a bit of a chicken and egg question, right? Please. Would the writer and director and producer not have been better served by getting a cast of, you know, renowned character actors. Yes. You know, to play the piece. Not unknowns, but people who can, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying none of the, any of the people in the movie can't do what they can do. They're all good actors. But I don't understand what purpose it serves to have somebody come into a scene for three seconds. I mean, it's exactly. not raising the finance for the movie because the finance is already raised. So I don't see the point of it. Like, what yeah. is the point of it? It's really just mates. It's mates hanging out. That's exactly it. I mean, there is nothing else to this than you're, and you're absolutely right, by the way. Like, and, and this is the only TV show I've actually seen lately that's actually had any kind of grasp of how good character actors are and why they are such a, 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 a lost art is either The Bear, that one I was talking to you about a couple of weeks ago, yeah. or more recently the Disney Plus series Andor, that has a rake of character actors in it and it looks great and they are so talented. And you're absolutely right. Amsterdam would have been a far better film if you had a bunch of character actors filling out those roles that are played by Rami Malek and yada, yada, yada. Because A, they would know how to get through a scene and not be like vamping for the camera. Number two... They wouldn't distract you because, like, let's be honest about it. If somebody like Rami Malek turns up in a scene or if Robert De Niro turns up for five or ten minutes, your attention is completely fixated on them. And you, because... But that's we- because there's a pressure on the director and cinematographer that if Rami Malek turns up for two days, we shoot him and we shoot seven different sizes of exactly. each shot. And in the edit, we, it's Rami, Rami, Rami. Whereas if you have character actors, the scene is about the fucking scene. Exactly. Exactly. And this is all, this is absolutely, you're absolutely right. You're, everything you're saying is correct. Um, and this is the problem with Amsterdam. It is just overstuffed, wow. overloaded. It doesn't really have any flow to it. And I know what David O. Russell is like. I mean, if you go back and watch American Hustle, it's a similar kind of thing. Or even Joy was the same as well, where it's just really chaotic. And that can work if you're Martin Scorsese in the 90s and it's Casino or Goodfellas, where you can take three hours and really kind of let it all sit. But when it's something like this, it just it just doesn't flow together. There's no mm. kind of natural rhythm to it. And don't get me wrong, everyone in it is great. I mean, they all are given their best, you know, g- given good work. Christian Bale, you know, he, he plays his character like Peter Falk. John David Washington, very much like his dad, has that real kind of stoic, very mm. kind of 
um, uh, impressive look. Margot Robbie, this freewheeling kind of bohemian type. Timothy Oliphant is in there as well. Like they're all like they're all There's some decent good, turns yeah. in it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, it just doesn't uh, add up. Exactly, it doesn't. It's not the sum of its parts. Like it doesn't add up to the sum of its parts. That's a real shame. That because yeah. um, I was I was about to ask who John David Washington's father is, and I was going through Washington George. No, not George. Denzel, right? Denzel, yeah. Okay, yeah. just 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 checking. Just, I, I'll, yeah, I'll be yeah. the one who'll ask the dumb questions. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, he's um, he's uh, I think he's either his eldest son or his youngest son. I can't remember, but yeah, he's Denzel Washington's uh, son, or Denzel Washington is his father, I should say. So okay, so we have a crowded cast list of too many big stars. We have though what sounds like an intriguing plot, an intriguing story to tell. Mm. Is there any way that you can separate? the two things or do the cast just get in the way of what could have potentially been an intriguing true life story well i mean it's not just the cast's fault as well it's the fault of the the director and the editor and the the writer as well because you know the director david o russell he like i said like he has this tendency to make his films very chaotic and everyone talking over each other and some scenes go on way too long than they should and in the context of this film you know, he's talking about 1930s bohemian jazz and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he's trying to kind of replicate that in the film, but it doesn't work. And, you know, again, it's a thing of like, I can understand why the cast went for this because it's very, it can be quite experimental in parts. And, Mm. you know, there are certain scenes that play out very oddly that you wouldn't necessarily expect. It's quite unexpected in, in certain regards. But, it's just too wacky and it's just too weird for it to actually land in any kind of convincing way. But Brian, when you look at when you look at basic economics and like it this is a business. That's why it's called show business. It's not called show, you know, fun. Mm. The, these things these things as in these pieces of work, be them T V series or movies, are designed to make money. Yeah. This thing doesn't have a chance, does it? I mean, again, like this is the thing I always go back to. People will walk up to a cinema and they'll look up and they'll say, oh yeah, give me one for Christian Bale. Give me one for Mar- that one with Margot Robbie in it. Like I think the star power in this, like I was at a cinema screening, like a public one. And when the when the trailer for this came on, everyone's like, God, there's a lot of people in that. God, I, that must be yeah. good. Like that's it. Like people yeah. will go... People will go on the strength of a cast and even the plot, as I said, like you hear it spoken out and it's like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, I'll give that a go. Um, And that's it. And I think they're kind of hoping that the star power and the story are enough to keep keep people interested. But it seems to be a mistake that Hollywood keeps making. What was the recent one with Saoirse Ronan, the other star vehicle, and yet she's the only good thing in it? Well, no, see how they run. I see. I'm, and again, I've said this. Like, I'm surprised. See how they run didn't do, hasn't done as well as it has, has yeah. as I thought it was. That was better than this. Oh, way better. See how they run oh, was great. I love see how they okay. run. This would, on the other hand, was a was a fucking mess. Like, so <laughs> I was like, I really was like, oh, don't I take my it. word for it. Go see it. Like, if you're yeah. at a loose end, like no, it no, is a no. mess. No, no, no. How long is it, Brian? Would you want? Would you want to be leaving nearly after the sixty minute mark? Are you getting that kind of? it's a kind of thing of i mean what i will say is is that it all it's all kind of oddball and it's so kind of goes in different places and it's trying to unravel this mystery that you're kind of every time you're kind of like oh i'm, I'm just gonna check out something happens and it kind of keeps you going so i mean it's not that it's over long or anything like that i just think that it just takes so long to get going and then it mm. takes so long to eventually get to where it's it is supposed to be going to you know mm. i fear so for the raising. Based, so if there was any saving grace to it if, if they could go back and start again would it have worked better if it was like a, a six-part or eight-part netflix show I think if they gave, I think if they gave this story and this cast to literally any other director, they would have had a better shot of. That's being honest. I think because like, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. When you read, when you said what it was about, if that was an eight-part drama series on Amazon or Netflix, I'd be watching that tonight. Yeah, true. Yeah, like, like there was another, there was a film on Netflix a few months. It was actually no, sorry, it was more towards the start of the year. It was called Munich: The Edge of War. Yeah, and did you see it? Yeah, no. based on Robert Harris's book. I'd read Correct. the book. Yeah, um, and I and I watched the show and yeah. I enjoyed it. 
very much given that it was based on a book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like it's there's an example of that is a similar kind of story, similar time period. It's about like you know political machinations and you know rise of fascism, all scary kind of stuff. But in Munich, the rise of war, it's told in a very clinical fashion, very straightforward, very much you can follow how it goes, and it's very very enjoyable. This, on the other hand, is told in just completely, you know, jump forward, jumps back, jump forward, jump back. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. The tone is all over the place. There's like really funny parts in it. And then it goes deathly serious. And then it tries to bring in romance into it as well. So it's just like, it's got like 10 different things going on and none of them really kind of land in a convincing way. So, yeah. Oh dear, right. Okay, well, I'm I'm cracking open the chocolate orange. I feel like I'm going to be leaving with more than I'm coming in with. But uh, what are we going with? I will go with uh, five out of 20. So that's five edges. Yeah, yeah. Two out of five. Okay, and for those who don't know Brian's track record or how he likes to score things, that's a bad score. This that's is a great. bad film. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. It's not great, unfortunately. Oh dear, anything decent on the horizon down the road? Yes, well, okay. <laughs> I loved it, but I was at the screen of it and I walked out of it. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And then the person who was sitting next to me, I won't say her name, but she was like, oh my God, that bored me to tears. Oh. Um, this is a film called Emily. Um, it is about Emily Bronte. Oh, uh, yeah, Water and Height. That, yeah. Yes, yeah, fantastic. Adrian Dunbar is in it. He plays her dad in it. Um, really, really loved it. We'll talk about that next week. But yeah, it's just really kind of like... Gothic. What accent does he have in it? A decent enough one, actually. Decent enough one. Like, he, it's, he's not trying to be... Um, He's not trying to do an English accent. He's kind of trying to do a little bit of an upper crust kind of Northern Irish accent, which I think is actually accurate because I think the Brontes were actually, they were originally Irish, I think, while they were like Norman Irish or something. So So there you go. That's coming down the road. Excellent. Uh, Thank you. Let me ask you a question before you go. Simon opened the podcast with uh, this question to me and I I actually struggled to answer it. Um, Mm. What's your favorite? Okay, no, you you pitch him the scenario, uh, Simon. Okay, so you're sitting at you're sitting at a bar, Brian. You're mm-hmm. having a what's your cocktail of choice, by the way? Oh, it'd be a Coke Zero. Like I don't drink at all. I'm, I'm okay, worse. well, you're having a Coke Zero on the rocks. There's piano music playing in the mm-hmm. background, and mm-hmm. it's twelve thirty a.m. Just you. Caught at the three. Twelve thirty a.m. You're sitting there contemplating life. Life is good, mm-hmm. and uh, he a, a person joins you at the bar. And you look to your right, over your right shoulder and you say, my word, that's a very attractive person. Oh, yeah. And she speaks. What is the accent that makes you move a seat closer to her? What's your favourite accent? French accent. Yeah. Ooh, straight away. Really? Straight, straight away. away. That was, I, I did, he didn't. Wow, yeah. he's straight in with French. French. Yeah. I was more, uh, probably indicative of me, Brian. I was like more, oh, fresh in your point, sir. No, French accent. A sort of like, <laughs> like, like again, if I'm imagining this scene, yeah. she like lights. It, she has one of those like stem things, and I have to light the cigarette for her. Yeah, it's it's 1947. The war yeah. just finished. You're in a bar exactly. in Paris. Yeah, she's exactly. lighting a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, and, and she turns her, and she turns. She lights a cigarette demurely, and she turns around and she says. First, <laughs> where did you get the coke? It's 1937. <laughs> Yeah. So she'd she'd spent most of her life in Derry by the sound of it. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But just recently come to Paris, like and trying to fit in. Yeah. I was, ba- I was born I was born in London Derry, but now I live in Paris. Yeah. Well, wait, wait. Emily Paris. <laughs> Wow, okay, well, we've established that French accent, excellent. That has gone into the bank to use, at which point, I don't know. Thank you, Miss Trey. Well, actually, here, no, here, here's a question. What, what, was, what, was your, what was your picks? He hasn't answered yet. I haven't well, answered, we haven't answered. Yet. Aiden gave us, he said a kind of an English accent, whatever the name of Christ that means. So I suggested I it was a Geordie. <laughs> All ready, you know, kind of fresh your drink, pet. <laughs> like, are we thinking Jordy? Is it like Cheryl Cole? Like, is in the I Cheryl Cole? Or? I, 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 I actually never. Simon suggested I, I was trying to do a Jordy accent. I was going for more of a, a well-spoken Hertfordshire accent or something. No, you like. see, I can't see. This is it because you're going posh English and Royal English. <clears throat> I can't do that yeah, because well, that's that's well, the well, accent well, of well, our 
Hold on, hold on, hold on. The Royal English accent, that is the accent of our oppressors. Okay, oh, I can't Jesus, hear that. I can't that. hear that. I can't hear it that. It always accent. comes back to religion, this show. It always No, comes no, no, not religion. No, no these no. are our colonizers. These are yes. our colonizers. We've already had yeah. that conversation. Can't have it. I think for me, I'm going to give you, uh, I'll give you someone's name and then picture the voice. So I'm going to, I like that kind of soft-spoken New York, that Gene Butler kind of accent. Interesting. Yeah. That kind, of, that kind of husky kind of New York soft tone. Not total fucking New York, get the fuck out of here, Tony Soprano, New Jersey. But that kind of soft spoken New York. Hey, and, give me a fucking Jack on the Rocks and hey. And hey. But like when I think of like, when I think of a, a soft spoken <laughs> New York accent on a woman, it's like Rhea, all I'm hearing is like Rhea Perlman and like Cheers or something like that. No, 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 no. no. I'm telling you, Ed, our wonderful producer, yes. will now play a clip of Jane Butler to see Miss Streisand off into the distance as only Jane Butler can. Thanks, Bri. Thank you. Posture in Irish dancing is very strenuous on your back. It's very important when you're thinking about your posture to imagine a line attached to the top of your head that continues all the way up into the ceiling. So you're constantly getting this feeling of being held up from here. So let's go around the houses then. From the top of the show, Sky gave us what, Edo? This England uh, brand new six-part docudrama series, which is on Sky Atlantic. You can see all these episodes on now and it recounts the, the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic in the UK and specifically focuses on the British government headed by former Prime Minister Boris Johnson and his team of Muppets as they stumbled and fumbled their way through the pandemic. It's, as I said, personally, I found it a tough enough watch, but... Uh, yeah equally compelling and uh, I would highly recommend it. Wonderful. And then uh, the lovely Brian Streisand gave us <laughs> Amsterdam. Uh, Amsterdam, which just sounds, <clears throat> despite its yeah. A to Z of a cast list, or it's, it's all a cast list, it yeah. sounds absolutely um, like a very self-indulgent project by David O. Russell. He just went, I've got so many A-list Hollywood mates and I'm going to put them all in the film and uh, none of them are going to get enough screen time and it's going to confuse the entire shit out of it and the pacing's going to be all wrong. Well, for and his I'm trouble, for his trouble he's walking away with five segments of chocolate orange, which means you and me get to you share more better. this week. And then I gave you the brilliant Griff Reese jones six one-hour uh, documentary series, Griff's Canadian Adventure. All the episodes available on Channel 4 where he travels from the East Coast of Newfoundland over to the West Coast, the Pacific Coast in Canada. It is fantastic. It is good for your soul, good for your eyes. Some great comedy in there as well. Meet some fascinating people. Six one-hours available to watch now. Ada, what did you learn this week? Um, amongst many other things, I probably learned that you would like to do a, a Hindo 3 with Gene Butler, which was quite uh, revelatory. Ooh, and on your funny name places that you were talking about earlier on in the show, there's one place that you and I are going next year. It's in Turkey, and it's called Batman. See ya! <laughs> <laughs>